He goes, the human torch was denied a bank loan. Yes, that's what it is. Was denied a bank loan. My friend John and I used to make them up all the time while we were working together. We came up with the skeleton dropped the shampoo in the shower. The skeleton dropped the shampoo in the shower. Chewbacca was assassinated by 50 armed guards. <laughs> armed <laughs> guards. Can you imagine if they killed Chewbacca? Apparently, Wookiees can take a hit and just keep going. I would think so. I mean, if you see Kersantan, he took so many hits and was just totally fine. Yeah. It's wild. He ripped a dude's arm off. So, coming off the last episode, which we recorded back in October. Is that six months ago? Five months ago? It wasn't yesterday, I can tell you that much. It was a different year. It was a different time. <laughs> this will be a shorter cast today. Oh, without a doubt. But this episode is also the reason that we did that cast, to justify it in our minds at least, uh, because last year was finally released uh, the last movie out of these four movies that were sort of a retreading and retelling of the original 1995 Neon Genesis Evangelion. Created by the original creator himself, Hideaki Anno, he decided to start producing these films in the mid-2000s, and the first one came out in 2007, and that was entitled You Are Not Alone, and for some reason is 1.11. And then the second one came out a couple years later in 2009, and was 2.22, whatever that means, and that's called You Cannot Advance. The the numerical system, 1.0 is used to designate the theatrical release in Japan. 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, 1.0, 2.0, and the last film. If it ends in a .0, I think it designates the theatrical release. And then the .1s are to designate the VOD release or video release because I think there might be uh, some subtle changes. Okay. And I don't know if that's just to go to a Western market or if they did that as well in Japan, but that's what it is. And then the third one came out in 2013, so almost... Four to five years later. Yeah, they get a little bit longer each time. And that one was 3.33, and it was called You Cannot Redo. And then the fourth one finally came out, I think, in Japan in 2021, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Early 2021, like in February or March. And then didn't come out over here until around October or September. Yeah. On Amazon Prime. Well, that's why we're doing it now, because it came out just last year, at the, at the end of last year. And that one was called 3.0 plus 1.01. and we'll Call it movie four from here on out. It is called Thrice Upon a Time. Yeah. And it's a pretty quick turnaround for them. Usually it takes at least a year to get the Western release after it comes out in Japan. But I think Amazon was on it. Was on the on ball. On top of it, yeah even though it did take the film eight years to be made. (laughs) Yeah, and so as you heard in our last episode, there's a lot of little things to talk about here. Uh, The first thing we should just note is that, again, this is a retelling of the original Neon Genesis Evangelion. The first movie is sort of almost exactly the first half of the anime, anime. And then the second movie gets into the second half up into a point and then changes completely 
really, really close to near where like around episodes 22 to 24 were in the original anime. And then the third one is a complete departure and the fourth one is a complete departure. And again, so this is like a retelling of the original anime and then also an expansion on the original anime, introducing new plot points, new story, new characters, our uh, new Evangelion mecha units, new angels or monsters or aliens, uh, whatever you want to call them. New animation styles were included. I mean, you have to imagine this started not in the 90s, but in around probably around 2005, 2006, whenever they started production on the first movie and has lasted up into last year. So the animation style and the type of animation going from being hand-drawn, like from the original video animation style to using computers and computer graphics, like intermixed with hand-drawn animation... Yeah, by the fourth rebuild film, I think it was there was substantial CGI. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but it was still there was still it's hand drawn. Still, yeah, it still looked continuous, you know, in the way that it should to pay homage to and the anime style. It, it, I mean, it, it becomes very much more like My Hero Academia kind of style of anime. Well, it is very modern. Yeah, more modern style of anime. So, yeah, and so that's the the first thing to be noted is it's. Both a retelling and then a kind of a retreading and then really ends in a different place. And then, (laughs) and then an expansion upon the original source. So yeah, the points essentially, I guess we should just talk about the plot. The points of departure are the original anime stops with the third impact and the human instrumentality project. This one, the third impact happens at the end of the second movie and becomes what is known as the near third impact. We kind of learn that the impacts, they're not like their own thing. They're all just a continuation of the original impact that happened when Adam and Lilith were sent to earth. Um, Long time ago. Yeah. For more on that, you can listen to our last episode. I don't need to explain all that. And then the whole third movie is sort of about Shinji's and Karu's relationship which was glossed over in one 22-minute episode in the previous anime. But it also takes place uh, almost 14 years later. And there's new lore introduced, like the Ava pilots don't age, so they're all perpetually 14 years old. That that explains... They don't age physically anyway. (laughs) Yeah, physically. (laughs) But that explains why they all look the same, Mm -hmm. while all of their classmates and all the people that they knew all age. Is it because of their exposure to the... I don't know why. No. I forget why what the explanation was. Even though I just read a bunch of notes, I, I don't remember notes that I took. But so, yeah, it focuses on their relationship. And then a new character is introduced. Her name is Mari. Mari X Machina. And she, yeah, she is essentially... Can you explain why you said that? It's yeah. so funny. Well, she's a fun character. And without doing her an injustice, you know... She's basically an insert, I think, for Hideaki's uh, wife, who is essentially in the 21st century his muse. And in the anime, she primarily exists as a plot device to move. Like she has like omnipresent and omniscient yeah. abilities. Like she's, or not abilities, but she just is that way. Yeah, she has knowledge, uh, seemingly of like things that no one else does, and she's like appearing like in, at certain places at certain times. That, She's very OP. She's very strong, very powerful. She seems to know 
both sides of both the protagonist and the antagonist side and is working to stop the impact just like everyone else is but yeah she's a good guy but she knows everyone's plans at all moments (laughs) and at all times she knows exactly what's going on and you're just like and they never explain it they never they never say why she knows everything she just does and i think from the creator standpoint like you were saying hideaki ano can you can you talk about a little bit why you you said that she might be kind of analogous of his wife. Well, she embodies, as, as we explained in the last podcast, good vibrations, <laughs> positivity. As, as we explained in the last podcast, Hideaki Anno has struggled with depression for yeah. a long time and has been on again, off again since the original series. And throughout all of his work, he's struggled with that. And so his he, wife brought him out of that. Yeah. And he credits her as much, but he uh, sort of dipped back into his depression in the latter half of the development of these new movies for different reasons. But yeah, all that to say Mari is, and she's a, she's a very critical element of the story as well. Like she's very important, especially in the last film, her significance to Shinji, especially. And she ends up being not a replacement for Asuka, but she ends up being more important in Shinji's story than any other female character. And is a large reason why, the ending of movies is very uplifting. Yeah. And she's not necessarily a love interest. She's more like a friend interest <laughs> or like, a well, like you were saying, like an ex machina kind of character where she's, but there is a, a bit of a romantic tinge to it. You know, there's, yeah, like, it's kind of like she, it's almost like she embodies hope. Yeah. Like the idea of hope. Absolutely. And hopefulness. And so, and, but also like, you know, what, what, everything that like all encompassing, what hope could embody in this world is essentially like a way out of the craziness of what's happening. So in the indomitable spirit of humanity. <laughs> yes. Well that's, said. That's ultimately why, I mean, ultimately Hideaki's new found, you know, mission is intention with the new rebuild of Evangelion films is to, to make an uplifting series. It is to tell a story of hope unambiguously compared to the first series, you know, cause even though I tr- we tried to spin it, <laughs> in the last show that it was uh, uplifting in some way. I was ultimately playing devil's advocate and it's a very downer show, but I don't know. Do you want me to mention now why Hideaki made the rebuild series? Let's finish the plot really quick. Yeah. So after, after Karu Karu. and Shinji have this relationship and they build their relationship, Karu sacrifices himself to stop. uh, I think what is going to be known as the fourth impact. A lot of impacts. And there's a lot of back and forth on whether Shinji should pilot an Ava unit again because he essentially was the reason the third or the near third impact almost took place. And then uh, the fourth movie begins. It's kind of like a, a back and forth or an all-out war to try to stop the evil Zela with who Katsuragi is now sort of captaining this antithesis, antithesis organization with a ship that she stole from Zela or from Nerve. Cool ship. Nerve essentially becomes Zela Hub in this and she calls it villa so it's zella and villa so villa is working against zella or seal and will for the americans yeah that's it is when you watch it in english that's what it's called well i mean like the way it looks looks like will yeah 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 yeah. but it's pronounced that way so katsuragi doesn't want shinji to pilot an ava union again there's a bunch of stuff that happens with ray in this being attached to shinji's mom there's more exposition as far to Gendo and who he is and why he's doing what he's doing. It's essentially 
sort of the same reason that you were just explaining about uh, Hideaki Yano's wife. It's because he looked to Yui, Shinji's mom, Yui, as this source of like hope and was trying to get her back. So the same sort of ending happens that happened in the original Evangelion just happens in a different way. Shinji has to essentially go through different stages or levels of his mind and confront all of these demons and people and naysayers and things like that to get to a place where uh, he then chooses once again to rebuild the world. Um, And he does so, and this is the more hopeful ending that Gabe was alluding to, uh, he does so in a sense where he chooses to recreate the world just as it was. The differences that the Eevee units and the mecha, the mecha monsters and all that stuff and the different organizations are all just absent from that world. So I'm assuming the angels are gone as well. Is and the angels, said? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he basically created the normal, <laughs> our Just Earth. our world, yeah. 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 But was it was it set at the end of the 20th century? I couldn't uh, remember. I thought it was right after. But oh. so, but And then the big difference here is that instead of him ending up on the beach with Asuka, as it was in the previous anime, Mari is somehow the only person, the only individual left alive. <laughs> and he is like, oh, hey. And she's like, hey, I'm here too. And, and they get together and run off together. It seems like time has passed as if they're now about 30 years old. So that that passage of time, it seems to... He's the appropriate age. Yeah. Seems to have like compensated in some way and that he's now the appropriate age that he was because he had skipped 14 or 15 years of his life. So Missed it. Anyway, and that's how it ends is like on this very positive note, the world is still alive. It's Everything is lush and thriving and blue and green again. So Bustling. Yeah. Because they're in the city, right? Yeah, they're in the city. A subway station, which the subway in Evangelion plays a huge part. Well, not a huge part, but it plays a part in the sense that uh, for for a setting, it's where he encounters Mari for the first time and Katsuragi for the first time in the original series. So it is this setting of the metaphor is like, you know, having options to travel and go in new directions and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's a jumping off point. Yeah. Anyway, so... Yeah, why did he, why did Hideaki Anno create this new... Why did he go back and tell his story again? Series of films, yeah. yeah was why? it just for money, Stephen? Well... I don't know, Gabe. There are several reasons that I uncovered in my light digging, my little bit of research. Uh, ultimately, it seems like we, we've basically covered, I think, Hideaki's life up to the point where he finished his original show in the end of Evangelion in the last podcast. Yes. But... Basically, where that left him moving forward was with a, a pretty substantial amount of success and uh, recognition for his work. Okay. But in terms of the state of the industry, he uh, apparently had become pretty disillusioned moving into the 21st century huh. about the state of anime and it how it was becoming post-Evangelion very dominated by what would the Japanese would call moe anime which is moe is a term, an expression for like the very cutesy uh, style of anime and manga where it's focuses a lot on young women and that kind of uh, celebration of that, uh, that quaint and oftentimes the word I'm looking for is like perverse uh, 
focus on like on young girls essentially on that okay. femininity interesting um because that's ultimately what sells especially to the demographic of like you know the the 30 something mm-hmm. um otaku kind of uh yeah. i don't want to say degenerate it sounds demeaning but ultimately that's sort of what it is that's that's a huge market for this sort of thing so anime became less about the storytelling that led to Evangelion and more about uh, this kind of money-making machine that focused on this kind of weird, Mm -hmm. fringe, perverse Mm -hmm. uh, style. Mm -hmm. And it became very empty and very hollow, and Hideaki was very disaffected. Anyway, he resolved to remake his show then and to kind of, maybe he saw himself as a kind of Savior? Yeah, more or less. I I don't know much about where he was at personally at that point in time, but he resolved to be the guy to kind of course correct, and he thought he could do that by remaking Evangelion. So he started a new studio. He's left Gainax, and he started a studio called Kara, which in no small coincidence means hope, or means joy. Kara means joy, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And he, with some of his previous co-workers started remaking the Evangelion in 2005, 2006. Uh, And in order... So this was larger than just the rebuild films. He wanted to bring anime back by creating the studio and started the studio with the vision of creating content, essentially, that was meaningful. And that was about substance as much as it was style. And he wanted to give a lot of young and ambitious storytellers the opportunity to do that in both short and long-form content. But in order to fund that, this was another reason why he decided to do the rebuild films. He needed money. Ultimately, money did play a part in it. Not for, from what I can gather, personal greed, but he needed to be able to fund this venture of his new studio. So he knew without a shadow of a doubt that redoing Evangelion would be able to fund his studio moving forward yeah. a lot. So that that's another reason why they did that. And they had a lot of trouble... I think legally with Gainax, like getting money, uh, uh, there was some legal problems, I think, there uh, over the next whatever it took, 14 years to produce all of these rebuild films and some production woes. He, Like we said, he kind of dipped in and out of depression again. I don't know all the things that led to that, but I'm sure some of that might have been reception to the third film was kind of down. A lot of people weren't thrilled with that one. I think, compared to what they had been envisioning, what they wanted as fans. Mm-hmm. But he finally, after eight years, got into the fourth film after the third film. And I think he's... I don't know how he's doing now. I think he's doing fine. His, his new studio has produced a lot of other content. Were, were, or sorry, were they producing things like in between these? Yeah. Or, oh, okay. Yeah, including... I so, can't remember the names off the top of my head because they were in Japanese, but there was an ice skating anime. So, So... The the point though is that he made these movies to fund. Yeah. Okay. So it was a dual motive to wonder, fund his new studio. I wonder how big it was. How big his studio is? Like how many people he has working for him? I don't know. I think it's pretty big. If they're able to do these films as well as other content, it has to be pretty sizable. But but he's succeeding in his vision to uh, bring anime back. You know, make anime great again. Yeah. Which is cool. So yeah. So then. The question, I guess, now is... Is it better? Or is, is it, it better or worse or the same? Is it good at all? <laughs> and I guess it'd be fun to discuss that from both an objective and a subjective view, right? Yeah, because the scale 
the the fights and everything and the animation style contribute to it being more enjoyable at parts at times. Like I like the designs of, sure. of the angels, the monsters more yeah. this time around. Uh-huh. Um, but I think I like the story more bef- from before the original, the original Neon-Genesis Evangelion. Yeah, actually. I would agree. I'm partial to the original show and the end of Evangelion, uh, the nineties Ava. And there's a lot of reasons for that. It's funny because Hideaki condensed the entire show, like you said, into the first two rebuild films, which yeah. means we lost a lot of depth there yeah. to our characters' journeys as well as Angel's. Um, he did a good job, though, to be honest. But yeah, he, he touched on a lot of the key points, even though, like you said, there's a lot lost, but he did a good job. Yeah, well, I mean, the quality is there, both in the animation and in the storytelling in the new show, but it did add it made things somehow even more confusing for me at least like it the lore it added mm-hmm. <laughs> it had the existing lore plus new terms and ideas that i yeah which, coming fresh off of watching the original show and the, sure. and the film was just like <laughs> really we're gonna how much further can we go yeah. but i did enjoy watching his relationship with his father in the second half of the new movies really take on a whole new mm-hmm. shape yeah shape and not just because it was more positive because i like the darker stuff you know but there it was more fleshed out you know in the original show gendo is uh not one-dimensional but his relationship with his son is pretty one-dimensional and so here we get to see a lot of that also i will say in celebration of the new films uh i liked the third one more probably than the average person the quiet moments of Shinji and Kaburo. I liked it a lot too. I, I didn't have any qualms with it. And I, I will say also probably potentially, even though I, I love the original series, it's still my, my first love when it comes to Eva. Um, I will say the first half of the fourth rebuild film with all that stuff with Ray and Asuka and Shinji and their friends in the village, mm-hmm. I found to be, potentially the highlight of the show for me Mm -hmm. getting to see that little window into contemporary life at that point in time. Yeah. Uh, it it had all the best parts of like your, you know, typical slice of life anime with it within this incredibly intricate and dystopic world. Like Mm -hmm. when they go to see Kaji's kid Mm -hmm. and they have these little pockets of, uh, nature that they've managed to save and revert from this mm-hmm. uh, terrible metaphysical uh, distortion of the rest of reality around them. Right. It's really cool. You see all the flying like train cars and stuff in the sky, just hovering there. Love mm-hmm. that imagery. And it was, I think pretty bold for them to spend half of their final film just in that space. And then, you know, you get your classic Marvel third act Yeah, for the rest of the movie with all the insane animation and uh, action. Particularly, though, you liked the Ray stuff. Yeah. Where she's sort of like learning what it means to be human. Yeah, if that first half and Ray's storyline had not been in the fourth film, I probably would have enjoyed it much less as a whole. But ultimately, I mean, yeah, Ray, who is a clone, is learning how to be a woman, how to be a human being, which is also uh, analogous, or it's sort of a parallel... For Shinji, 
it, it, it contrasts what he's going through where he's very disconnected at that point. He's not even talking cause he's traumatized Yeah, and he's anything but a human. So she's learning all the reasons about humanity and why it's worth saving. And he is, you know, in contrast doing the opposite, but ends up getting to the same place. But you see it in her character before she turns into goo. Yeah. <laughs> Before she just explodes. Yeah. And and then the question, which is really interesting, it's a really interesting question, becomes if this person has all these beautiful moments and experiences, does any of it matter if they just die anyway? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's That's an age-old existential question. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of Blade Runner, to be honest. And I I feel that way. Mm -hmm. I feel like Ray's journey in the fourth film is the thesis statement for what Evangelion is yeah. in that way. It's finding your humanity amidst uh, overwhelming despair. Sure. Right. And we, we touched on that in the last cast, but like the Blade Runner, like uh homage, like, you know, like Roy Batty uh, as the replicant, as what Ray is in this movie. Right. Discovering humanity. And then through their journey, like you said, it affects Shinji and the other characters who are the humans to, yeah. you know, find their humanity again as well. And that's that, that just it, it kills me. It's so good. I agree. It was good. So both of us are still partial to the original, though. I think ultimately the tone yeah. is the thing that I, I search for the most. And the tone of the original, you know, 26 episode anime is the thing that I, I like to reside in. You know what I mean? Especially married with the end of Evangelion. Yeah, yeah. To me, it's all—it's part of it. It's all the same. Okay. I mean, it's—it's—it's. It's, it's, it is. It's yeah. the same chunk. It's the same story. So, it's yeah. Finishing that story. Um, I'd agree. So then, the last question I guess I have is: Is it necessary or worth the time for a creator to revisit their creation and like try to revamp their creation? You know what I mean? I thought you were gonna say, "Is it worth?" to watch <laughs> but no i is it worth for in general for to retread to, to yeah for especially for like the original creator to revisit their content or revisit their creation and try to recreate it well we live in that era we do but <laughs> but i'm curious what you think what i think yeah ultimately i would say sometimes in the manner i mean it's what's done is done and, and he did it well, and it, he made it beautiful, even though I'm partial to the original. But I would say, ultimately, I don't I don't like the idea of retelling the original story, and especially retelling it and just changing it. It feels, yeah. con, it feels uh, at best, convoluted, and at worst, contrived, and it sure. makes it just confusing for everybody. But even just as far as the author's intent goes and the creator's vision for his own work... Yeah, Hideaki's case is perhaps unique because he he claims he wasn't able to achieve his vision the first time around. Hmm. I I don't know if that's true or not. Um, obviously, there was a lot of trouble at you know the production studio, but I I don't like remakes <laughs> typically because there's such it it mm, I don't know. I'm trying careful not to go on my soapbox here. Let's take Kingdom of the Crystal Skull for example. 20 years later, um, same creators touching on their original content. This is kind of a similar idea. It doesn't always go that way to where people might think it's worse, 
than that's the original. That's a new story, though. Yes, it is. But it's the same story as well. Like, it's still Indiana Jones again. You know, and, and that's kind of what I'm saying is this is also a new story. This is the same thing but different. And Indiana Jones is also the same thing but different. But half of it is is the same. <laughs> I think there's there's another conversation there about formula, which in my mind is another is just a whole other conversation because this this was literally for the first movie or two for the most part the first the second film just a, like it was the same stuff just up like updated like remastered. Well, it's and there's not different a, as well. Like there's a lot of minor differences. Very minor, but. I mean, in in terms of the larger question, I I don't know that that's my answer to the question. So, if Hideakiano <laughs> were to make instead of remaking his his original work, if he were to like make like a sequel or sure. something, would yeah. that have sat better with you? Do you think? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I would have enjoyed to see that honestly more. I think, but I'm all for telling more stories in an established universe. At that point, you just have to make them good. Yeah. But you've already taken the first step in achieving goodwill with me anyway, yeah. which is, you know, just keep moving forward, you know. And I, that's, it's funny too, because that's Hideaki's whole thing is now his vision for the rebuild films is about moving forward. It's about yeah. hope, you know. And so that's why this is such a unique case. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And there's really nothing like it that I can think of that has started in the exact same place for a remake or a remaster or a reboot. And just to, to, to use it as a launching off point for, honestly, an, a pretty antithetical idea, like a completely, not just new story, but to take it in a new direction idealistically. You know, your your themes are, mm. are different. It's it's hope versus despair. It feels completely different. Like, the the way I finished the fourth rebuild film, when Mari's out there with Shinji, yeah. is completely different from where we leave Shinji in the original series and end of Evangelion. It's quite literally in the opposite cardinal direction in my in my opinion but what do you think Stephen? do you think it's worth retreading old material retelling your story from 10 20 30 years in the past outside of you know other variables like the change in the industry the change in the creator retelling your story for the purpose of ending in a new place well that's an interesting question gabe because it's your question (laughs) i think that that is the story the story of humanity. I think, especially when it comes into like, to really break down the Bible and God and the Jews go on (laughs) Israel, the nation of Israel. I think the nation of Israel and them being supposedly the people who wrote the, the contents of the Bible wrote the Bible to, to, to focus on and tell the story from their perspective after many many years of being oral narrative mm-hmm. and then it, it finally being written down and so so generations i think passed of storytelling that probably made things look a lot different or better you know through rose-colored lenses or whatever uh for the specific nation of israel but a lot of that, you know, going back and researching history and other nations, you know, told similar stories from a completely different perspective. So from what we know about history and humanity from our earliest civilizations are just that. They're retellings 
over the course of a person's life or a people group's life that get retold and retold and retold and, and passed down and almost take different shapes by the time that we get to hear them. So I think it's just the story of humanity. I think human humans have always done that. So regardless of whether I think it's great for art, I, I have to, I have to sort of relent and forgive I guess. And so I, I am a little bit more gracious when looking at this kind of content and, and, and other movies like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, for example, like Steven Spielberg and George Lucas coming back 20 years later to rehash something that they had done before, even though it was a sequel, like I was saying, it's still the same thing, but different. So I'm more forgiving when it comes to stuff like that. Or the Star Wars sequels. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. No, no, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I got you. I, cause I, to me, it's all, to me, it's all beautiful. Like it's all human. And I think humanity has a lot of beauty to it, especially the stories that talk about light in the dark. Uh, you know, there's a lot of beauty there. So hope is a good story. Yeah. If you, if you take that away, it becomes something different entirely. As long as people want to watch it, that's kind of where I'm like, if people are there watching it and they're in, enjoying it, then that's great. Then I think it's a success, you know, I, I just know. want good content at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. Cause so. if, if this had been like real, real garbage, it would have been pretty unfortunate for everyone. <laughs> true. True. But thankfully it wasn't. And I'd recommend it, you know, especially if you don't want to watch the original series. I think this, oh, no, is... no, no, no. You must watch the original series. I know. But if you don't for any reason, <laughs> it's a lot easier to watch these four movies. And then get sort of an idea of what you might see in the original, which is a much more ominous, droning, pessimistic force of nature. Despair. Yeah. Anyway. Sure. I'd say check it out if you're interested. I'd also, we Gabe and I think would would rather watch the original, so check that out as well if you are interested, listener. You should watch it all. Watch the original series into into, into End of Evangelion. Yeah. And then watch the new ones. Yeah. And now, here is a song. I think we might play Joy to the World. Joy to the World. Which is from the fourth rebuild film. 3.0 plus 1.01. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you next time.